Welcome to Pedagog, a podcast about teachers talking writing. I'm your host, Shane Wood. In this episode, Travis Webster talks about his book on LGBTQA writing center directors, advocacy, anti-racism, writing across the curriculum, and mentoring tutors. Travis Webster is an assistant professor of writing and rhetoric and the director of writing across the curriculum at Virginia Tech University. He has also worked in and with writing centers since 2002. He is the author of Queerly Centered, LGBTQA Writing Center Directors Navigate the Workplace, which won the International Writing Centers Association's 2022 Outstanding Book Award and the Conference on College Composition and Communications 2023 Lavender Rhetorics Book Award for Excellence in Queer Scholarship. His articles and chapters appear in College Composition and Communication, Writing Center Journal, The Peer Review, WPA Writing Program Administration, and Edited Collections. Travis, thanks so much for joining us. Your book, Queerly Centered, recently won the 2023 4Cs Lavender Rhetorics Award for Excellence in Queer Scholarship. It also won the 2022 Outstanding Book Award from the International Writing Centers Association. What led you to this research? And can you provide a brief synopsis of Queerly Centered? Sure. Thank you again, Shane, um, for having me. I'm delighted to be um, talking to you today. I just, it's, it's, I, I respect um, your work so much and this um, podcast as well. And so it just feels like a real dream to be interviewed and have the chance to talk to you and to colleagues in the field. Um, so first, thanks. Uh, what led me in the direction of the book? Um, so I start the book with um, the 2016 Pulse event where um, a, a a gun person, a gun, a gunman walked into the Pulse um, gay club, gay night club in Orlando and opened fire. Um, and this had kind of a, has had a lasting impact even some nearly seven years later on queer people, queer communities. Um, I, you know, I've obviously was really um, deeply impacted by this, um, not personally, but just kind of emotionally uh, one of my book participants, actually several of my book participants brought up the events so much so that I thought it should probably, the story that opens the book should 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 be in there and should be um, part of the discussion. Um, but uh, one participant in particular said, kind of queer people always remember where they were when this took place. Um, it was just kind of one of those national events that was um, a tragedy and but that also just had kind of a lasting impact um, on people um, of all orientations. But um, <clears throat> I noticed in the writing center community that a good number of people um, were doing things in their center that didn't have anything to do per se with writing center work or research, but that was community outreach and space holding for queer and non-queer folks of their, their universities who were impacted either directly. So I um, one of my participants was a uh, a uh, Orlando Writing Center director at the time, and he was just, you know, at first he said as a white person, he didn't necessarily feel like it was, he's a white queer man, um, didn't feel like it was his tragedy per se, but a number of his consultants were directly impacted, either new people, um, knew or knew of people who had who'd passed on from the, uh, the murders, um, and you know, I just, I, that was just kind of a, it was an odd year as well. 2016 was a, you know, we didn't know it was coming in the fall per se, but there was just a lot of like 
political uh, energy around that year that I think um, was intense and violent and had a deep kind of affective impact. Um, and I just noticed that surfacing in the in the writing center community in ways where people were using their centers for good work. Um, uh, and so that was that was one part. Another was um, I, I had some early conversations with Harry Denny, um, who's a, a just a fantastic writing center, queer writing center scholar who <clears throat> encouraged from a conversation with um, some other queer folks at a writing center conference. This was the 2015 um, International Writing Centers Association Conference. Um, really encouraged us to think about some of the research questions that eventually surfaced in my book. So, you know, what does it mean to be a queer identified writing center director alongside national landscapes that are at one at one point um, in some ways progressive and other ways regressive. Um, and that that question stuck with me for a long time. Um, and after I wrote the book, something that's not in it, um, I kind of realized that I'd been grappling with some of these questions for the better part of 20 years. Um, I, I'd started work as a writing center tutor um, in undergraduate, so around 2002, so this has been a long time ago. Um, and I think, you know, I, I noticed that at the, I went to undergrad in East Texas. Um, I noticed in ways that I made myself available to writers who visited the writing center, you know, helping them. Um, you know, something as simple as just being a gentle good listener and also and sometimes being out and queer um, or helping people navigate, for example, narrative in their first year writing assignment um, that I was often kind of a consultant that was sought out, not necessarily because of aptitude or anything like that, but more just like oh, here's this soft queer guy who can help me out. And I noticed that my my work looked and felt a little different. And I couldn't at the time put any words around that. Um, you know, it 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 was gratifying. It was um, also kind of affectively impactful, you know, so people would share stories with me, you know, that, oh, hey, can do you think I can tell this story is the opening of my first year essay? And it's kind of raw and it's kind of um, emotional and, you know, can you help me through it, you know, as in sitting in a writing center session. Um, and so I, I think much later I was actually able to realize like I had this, this research question had been with me for a really long time. Um, and the, the general research question in my whole book is just kind of what is the, what does writing center work look like, um, in the day-to-day -day and its disciplinary implications um, for queer people leading them. <clears throat> and so I was really inspired by the work of Nikki Caswell, Jackie Gritch McKinney, and Becky Jackson's uh, The Working Lives of writing, New Writing Center Directors that had come out, came out in 2016 and won a, a number of awards. And it's a really fabulous case study-based book. Um, and I was also really inspired by Harry Denny and Ann Geller's writing center journal article um, that drew from their 2005 uh, interviews with uh, folks who attended the uh, Summer Institute, also looking at their labor 
um, those participants labor and the disciplinary implications of that. Um, and so my participant responses were kind of broken down into um, their history um, as queer people. So how their history as queer people impacted the kind of work they did. Um, some of the work they did often rubbed up against activism or advocacy. Um, and that's another chapter of the book. And their queer embodied uh, administrative identities often led to tensions and not always good or bad tensions. Some of them are good and bad, but um, just sort of transpire alongside their, their, their work as a, as directors. Um, and so those, are, that's kind of a breakdown of the, the research question in the chapters. You interview 20 writing center directors who identify as gay, lesbian, transgender, and queer across intersections of race, class, gender, and background. In chapter five, you write about queer writing center labor and tension. I'm wondering if you could talk more about some of the tensions and the different layers of tension that arise for queer writing center directors. Thanks, Shane. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. My original interview question set didn't really have much about that kind of. It were super open-ended questions. Um, and I expected people to talk more about, say, uh, you know, the kind of activism work they did. And they and and a good number of people obviously did. There's a whole chapter on that. Um and that came up a lot in coding data and that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think um, there was a spectrum of experiences represented with what I call tensions. And so the the book breaks this down in a lot of ways. So I talk about in some ways, like the nationals that I guys took the time of the interviews, it was 2016 through 2018. And so there was just a lot happening nationally. So um the pulse shooting, obviously, but uh, Trump rallies came into effect at that point. Um, so, for example, one writing center director is is uh, campus visiting um, with a queer or a queer centered um, job talk that's um, distributed to a large group of people at the institution. It's advertised, and at the same time. Um, there, there's a Trump rally in the, you know, and um, a student disappearance or something like that. Like some pretty heavy things happening. And this person, you know, saying like, I have to go give this do this job talk on, you know, looking at the link between writing center research and queer theory. And, you know, I'm being kind of, um, you know, his safety is something that, that that's on his mind and is the job that he eventually he he gets and he takes. But, you know, that kind of affective haunting of that of that initial experience um, really impacts the whole experience of the job talk, the job interview, everything and his first year. Um, and it isn't at a place that's, you know, somewhere traditionally understood to be um, super conservative. It's in this very um, northern queer liberal town with a, you know, a kind of thriving queer community. Um, and so it kind of exists out of, um, I'm from the South, you know, I'm from Texas. There's a lot of things happening in Texas that aren't great, obviously across the boards for queer and trans people, people of color, but, you know, and, you know, we might expect, you know, that the narrative is, oh, well, you know, bad things happen in the South. Right. But, um, 
you know, this isn't this, that, that event doesn't take place there. It's taking place somewhere, you know, in a place we might expect something like that wouldn't happen or would happen in more implicit ways. Um, and so, you know, that, that's a, obviously a moment of tension. So like there were these explicit moments, um, things like that. Um, there's also like, that's a really like, um, I break it down in the book between kind of implicit and explicit. Um, so, you know, if you participants are called names, you know, like called homophobic or transphobic names, um, either in open or behind closed doors kind of ways. Um, and, you know, I, I, I obviously sought permission and had long conversations with some of the participants about bringing those into the book, you know, and everyone has a pseudonym. And so, privacy is, you know, was of utmost importance, but I did think that those were important things to showcase in that, you know, that's at the time, 2016, 2018, even now in 2023, I mean, that's still potentially part of the work landscape for, for people of, of kind of difference, whether, um, queer identity, multi, multi marginalized identities, people of color, um, so I thought it was important to bring that into the book, even though it was difficult in some ways to write up or for um, to to frame or to think about. Um, you know, and it, not everything in that chapter is rosy. You know, I think there's some really, really positive, uplifting parts of the book that you know speak to participants talking about really beautiful, wonderful things that they do in their centers. And like that chapter does not have that. And I, and it, but I think that it was necessary to, to say, and um, to make sure that that's out there, that in 2023 um, or, you know, in 2016, 2018, when, when I was talking to folks um, that these things were still part of the landscape, um, were they fewer and further between? Certainly. So, you know, you'll have, there's another, um, director who told me that, you know, she has close relationships with conservative folks at her institution and that they support her. But then, you know, inside conversations, she would hear them, for example, supporting um, uh, politicians who uh, favored anti-gay legislation or something like that. And so she talks then about like the tension she has around that. Like on one hand, you have a good colleague who um seemingly cares about you and that you have a good relationship with but then you hear these other kind of implicit under the surface under life things that then make her feel kind of like well crap you know i'm you know i'm am i just a uh somebody's gay best friend at work kind of thing and they actually are voting against me and you know and they're <laughs> in their out of uh outside of work life kind of thing and yeah i think you know some some lower key things but no less salient um, I'm thinking of a, a participant who told me that he's, you know, in a, in a department that's very service heavy and he is gay, single with no children. And the assumptions some of his his colleagues would make about his free time and his ability to take on committee work and things like that, um, you know, impacting his his very his his lived experience, you know, um, you know, the, the idea that like he is seemingly more available for certain kinds of work that say like straight 
um, parents aren't, you know, oh, I have kids, so I can't do this. And, you know, him being kind of strapped with a lot of extra work at times and, and the, the, the ways that that's also, I mean, that's been talked about in many ways by women of color for 40, 50 years in like sociological research and also in comparet of, of more recent uh, work. But yeah, I mean, some of these were were definitely tensions that arose. And I mean, not all of them look like violence, like like some of the stories um, note, but, you know, it it was it kind of has a micro to macro range of <laughs> experiences with that. What do you think advocacy and support looks like in the context of writing centers from colleagues and faculty across campus? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. And I say this in the book, I don't know that it's that. So I'm thinking of one participant who tells me that she's especially her office door is always open for her consultants. Um, and she identifies as pan queer and also just is very open about her mental health status, like how she's feeling and her, her bipolar identity and that this immediately makes her more available to students and that she is very, Affect, affectively raw about her identity and that it it helps students navigate their own identities and that um you know this is this is both something beautiful and something also occasionally very taxing and she said you know I'm always going to uphold this um approach to my consultants and supporting students that are in the center and things like that but that I sometimes just have to close my door or go home after a while like I have to create space or I'm, you know, I'm going to deplete myself um, and I'm not going to be as, I won't be as effectively available for these consultants if I'm not mindful. Um, and so I think that points us in a lot of ways to some of the work, the research, the last, say, 10 to 15 years in writing centers that really advocates for <clears throat> writing center directors to not just wear all the administrative hats of say, you know, the, you know, leadership, scheduling, um, professional development, day-to-day -day, uh, labor, the putting out fires, the things that we all do as administrators, but that there's also this, this valuing of advocacy and activism that that's a double-edged sword. And so, you know, should we be doing this work through our centers? I think yes. And should we also be mindful of how it impacts um, how it impacts us and impact in particular, how it impacts our, our gay, lesbian, queer, trans identifying directors whose identities are not, are kind of out there and like just being who we are in a, in a leadership position in our center will signal us to particular kinds of research potentially, you know, how does this kind of rub up against this kind of very heavy push in the writing center world that our sites have to be, or ought to be activist ones. And I don't know that there's a good answer for this. I think if you're thinking about amplification, advocacy, and support, I think it's just in some ways seeing that this kind of work is um, happens at all, that it impacts marginalized and multiply marginalized directors differently. I think just having that conversation is is critical, but I also think you know, I'm thinking about things like our summer institutes for writing centers and for um, writing across the curriculum in our uh, through our organizations. And I wonder if the kinds of conversations that arise in research were actually on the ground in those summer institutes, what that could look like. You know, if we were 
because I feel like we 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 publish about this, we might talk about it in lore, we might talk about it on listserv, but you know, is there are there actually resources for um, helping people of, of queer identity or helping people who are multiple multiply marginalized or marginalized and in leadership positions? Are there actual resources for this? And is it linked to safe funding? I mean, I'm just thinking too about um, how the International Writing Centers Association and C's and things like that have fellowships, scholarships. And I just think more around that because I do think the work is slightly different for a lot of different people um, in the discipline and how we might then help them get more research out or have, you know, more specific conversations around this through national venues. So Travis, you co-wrote an article in 2021 titled Anti-Racism Across the Curriculum, Practicing an Integrated Approach to WAC and Writing Center Faculty Development in WPA. Can you talk about this article and anti-racist focused faculty development practices? So I, yeah, I wrote that piece with Dr. Rebecca Holman Martini at University of Georgia, we wrote as two white people in a lot of ways, writing to other white people while making sure to cite and really center the voices of folks like Dr. April Baker Bell and her work on linguistic justice. And I think we were, and we are certainly not the first to say this, but that faculty development, a lot of times, kind of regardless of the topic in universities, is um, often situated around like a one-time workshop we were really trying to get at the idea of what this kind of work can look like when it's more integrated into, into a particular kind of whack or writing center curriculum. The barrier to anti-racism in any university, I think, is the university itself, because um, I don't believe that universities are inherently anti-racist. And so I think that's always going to be the trouble in that, like, even some two or three years after we've written this, I... I struggle a lot with how to make this kind of work happen. And if it's especially in the context of WAC and Writing Center work, probably even more so WAC work, because WAC work is faces similar kind of systemic challenges. So WAC, you know, you can have a WAC workshop, for example, but if your entire institution is not really focused on building a culture of writing a uh, culture of writing across the curriculum or of communities, like you're, you're really just, it's kind of just a drop in the bucket. And so I actually think whack <laughs> as university missions, whack and anti-racist work are, are very challenging because, you know, like, like I said, if you, you can do something very localized or very departmental or even based through a college or even through a faculty institute um, for teaching or learning, that kind of thing, but if, you know, the institution itself is, for example, can't recruits, but can't, can't uh, sustain its faculty of color, for example, that's, that's already a, something that's working against um, a larger conversation. And so, you know, as I've started to think about WAC, it's in early stages here, um, you know, but I, I think a lot about just this idea of kind of ambassadorship and decentralizing, for example, the English department from being the kind of know-all around things like writing across the curriculum or writing itself. And so, you know, helping people develop kind of more of an ambassadorship. So supporting one-to-one um, more micro interactions with faculty, for example, who are teaching writing, but that they are then in partnership with you, they are then the ambassadors that go back to their department 
um, and act as kind of liaisons to how writing is taught. And I think similar um, approaches can happen with sort of thinking about and helping in the in the micro moments. Faculty work with um, work to be less anti-racist in their writing practices. So we start that article actually with an excerpt where a international graduate student is saying like because of their writing their faculty advisor doesn't take them seriously and they struggle to um, maintain positions as PIs on grants and things like that and they're also writing in their third language you know and so the the racism they're experiencing you know they have brilliant ideas but the way that their faculty advisor takes up their writing um, is in a very dismissive way and degrading way. While I've been talking about WAC as this kind of big, WAC and anti-racism as being these kind of big things that have to be systemically ingrained, I do think there's something to be said for those micro moments of, you know, helping faculty who work with graduate students think about the kinds of ways they talk about writing and that it's more than just, you know, oh, we need to get something published, but it actually links to someone's lived experience. Whack and anti-racism as university missions have this, have to have a similar rhythm with that. I mean, I do think they're, they're these are challenging things to do, like, and to actually do as opposed to, you know, being a mission statement, right? They're, they're work that, that has to be done. You know, we frame that article also around Dr. B April Baker Bell's work um, and thinking about, you know, how linguistic justice could fit into a larger um, kind of conversation. There's also so many um, really fantastic pieces in that special issue. I'm thinking of Dr. Sherry Craig's work where she challenges some of the conversations around um, grading contracts and um, really brings nuance to that conversation as well. And so I, you know, some two or three years after writing that, I, I'm, you know, I think I would, I, I still think a lot of the same things, but I still think I'm just constantly learning. Charles, this is my last question. How do these research values inform your approach to mentoring tutors in the writing center and working with the graduate instructors? As we think about um, recruiting and supporting tutors who then support our students, you know, you know, I, I think for example, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to my old writing center and we had a number of veterans and active military in the, um, at our institution, we were also a HSI. And so it was important for me that, you know, we shift what was then a mostly all white staff and non-vet staff to a um, Latinx and more vet-represented writing center staff um, in terms of consulting and also um, folks in the center who are taking on leadership and initiatives. Um, so some of that I think is representation. I don't obviously think it end with just representation, but um, you know, when I think to about tutor training um, or for example, teaching a writing center theories class, um, I do think it's important um, that some of these conversations around work and labor are at the forefront. Um, does every tutor who takes a tutoring course, um, are they all going to go on to be writing center researchers? Certainly not. And I think that's, you know, that's perfectly fine. Um, 
you know, I, I think right now I'm, I'm, I'm chairing a few uh, dissertation committees here for people interested for multiply marginalized queer and folks of color who would like to be writing center directors and of which, um, you know, the, nationally there are, there are still, we're still very white writing center. The writing center discipline is still very white. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, in the ways that I can helping prepare folks who want to go on and be writing center directors through, you know, when I'm helping them through coursework or dissertations or exams or that kind of stuff, you know, using this, this research and not just my own research, but, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, Dr. Nisha Ann Green's work um, that looks at being a black woman in a very white writing center field. Um, or Dr. Wonderful Fison's work that looks at sort of white space and pedagogy in the writing center world that, you know, uh, that I'm, I'm preparing and making graduate students who are going into this world and the, do not look like me, who are not white, um, you know, the, the sort of affective impact that, that may face them on the other side of their grad work. And so, you know, that's a very kind of grad student pedagogy kind of answer. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking a lot about like tutor training courses. I think with, you know, the teaching of writing, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, maybe an, an undergrad or a first year course. I mean, I think, I think in some ways just kind of bringing a queer orientation into what's possible through through research, you know, I'm thinking of like a, right now I'm helping, um, I'm teaching a, uh, our GTA practicum and a lot of, uh, some of the GTAs have been concerned that like, oh, you know, teaching research is, is can be really um, the super straight, super disembodied, super kind of APA style research report kind of deliverable and like their discomfort with that and their understandable discomfort with that. And so, you know, I've been trying to help them kind of think through more queer orientations to, you know, writing-based research in the first-year classroom, right? So, you know, in what ways can they help students um, think about embodiment or think about research deliverables that don't look so sort of straight, white, cis, these kinds of things. Um, Thanks, Travis. And thank you, Pedagog listeners and followers. Until next time.